Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. All right, Niner faithful, we are back for yet another No Huddle podcast on 49ers Web Zone. I am your host this week, Levin Black. Alongside me is Zane Nekfi and Rob Stats Guerrero. How are you guys doing? It's been a while since we've been on. Things uh, have kind of changed, not just in the U.S., but globally. So how are you guys doing? Well, considering both Stats and I have small children at home, uh, this is one of those things that's... Uh, it's going to change our life, uh, if not forever, for a very, very long time. Hope everybody's out there safe um, at home listening to this podcast, enjoying the greatest basketball player of all times documentary, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in. I'm a huge MJ fan, right? So um, I will be watching that as these episodes come out. But um, yeah, I just hope everybody's safe and healthy out there. It's a little crazy, obviously. Uh, my daughter turned one month old this week. We were slowly losing our minds, but we could, you know, there are so many worse things that could be going on right now. So we're, we're safe and healthy, and that's the important thing. Right. For me, it's, I don't, my life has probably changed less than most people because my job's essential. So I still go to work. I still do the same job. It's just I can't do anything else. I will say I have uh, provided Amazon with uh, plenty of work because <laughs> I have a child due in a month. And this all oh, hit right when I was supposed to be. man. What? Congrats. So wait, we wait, were. You, know, you ever told us? Well, I know. Yeah, well, we talked about it. We talked about it on an episode. Did we? Mm hmm. I'll have to go back and look at the tapes, Dads. Nah, wait, wait. Uh, around probably mid season to late season, I would say regular season. We mentioned it on here. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are so anyway, through it. <laughs> anyways, this canceled baby shower, canceled anybody being able to drop off gifts from family coming to visit and bringing the gifts with. So pretty much everything's been bought online because none of the stores are open. So wow, I got a garage full of about 40 or 50 boxes and there's still more to come. <laughs> but wow. in the grand scheme of things, that is uh, a very uh, bad thing to complain about because people certainly have it much worse. Right. So with that, this is obviously the draft preview episode. So we're going to be talking draft very heavily. And with that, it's also going to be looking at certain players who may or may not be on the team here in the near future, maybe even during the draft, they might get moved and how that affects the draft. And we're going to start with the obvious starting position, which is the first pick the Niners own, which is now the number 13 overall pick, thanks to the Buckner trade. And with that, there, there's a lot of back and forth. I, I've seen on Twitter, it seems to be a, a pretty wide split amongst the fans. There's a lot want wide receiver because that's glamorous. And, you know, Niners are obviously rich in history of wide receivers, but not lately. And then there seems to be the logical people who are saying, get the offensive tackle now or get the defensive line replacement for Buckner. So with that, where are you guys at? We can start with you, Zane. So the whole Buckner trades, uh, I'll back it up to that. The whole Buckner trade to me, it came as a complete shock because I thought that personally they would be working out the long-term deal with him and not Armstead. And then when we heard that Armstead got signed, um, we're like, okay, well, I wonder what, what that means for Buckner. And like literally like a day later, you know, we get the news that he's been traded to the Colts for that number 13 overall pick. Now, if you kind of unpack that part of it, DeForest Buckner was his number six overall pick when he was drafted out of Oregon. Uh, a few years ago. So really the return that you got for him was actually pretty impressive. Like you usually don't get like a top half of the first round pick for a guy who uh, basically is on an expiring contract that you have to resign. So they threw a bunch of money at him that the Colts did. And he's now the second highest paid D tackle ever behind Aaron Donald. And I think that he'll do really well there. I, I love DeForest Buckner. I love, love having him on the team. And I think that um, he leaves a huge hole. Uh, that being said, you have a lot invested on the defensive line. You've got your edge rushers, both on Ford. You've got Eric Armstead, who's got the big new contract. Uh, Solomon Thomas was a former first round pick two years ago, two, two and a half years ago. So there's first round picks littered on that defensive line right now. And the, the loss of Buckner is a big one, but it's one of those things where you do have depth, where you've got a guy like, um, 
you've got a guy like Sheldon Day who's out there who's like a cheap sign. You've got DJ Jones who's a very underrated player on a rookie contract who I think will probably start and play uh, running downs at least. And you've got Solomon Thomas who could flip inside on passing downs and rush the passer from the interior. So I think that in that sense, like the initial shock of it to me was the biggest deal um, and taking away the draft pick part of it. And then I started thinking about how they're going to replace him. And then that kind of tied into the draft. And I, I've heard Javon Kinlaw's name thrown around. I'm sure you guys have too. I, we've heard the the rumor uh, in the past week as the recording of the show that the Niners were quote unquote desperate for a, a big run stuffing defensive tackle. But I think that the question that I kind of want to throw to you guys is like, if do you create a hole just to fill a hole in the draft? They did that with Trent, Trent Brown when they traded him and then they drafted McGlinchey. So I think that there's, there is a precedent for that, but are they really going to go with, you know, Javon Kinlaw at 13 or a, a D tackle at 13? Like, is that really going to happen? Well, what do you want to see them go with? Um, so to me, like the number one biggest weakness that we saw specifically in the Super Bowl is that, you know, Jimmy wasn't able to get the ball to his receivers in this, in the fourth quarter. He wasn't able, I know you, you just said it was like a, a sexy pick and a lot of people liked it. But the thing is, is that they're literally, like an impact player away from winning a Super Bowl. And we know that now. This is a championship roster. They proved it. They went all the way. They were six minutes shy of wrapping, the, wrapping up the deal, right? So I think that if you get an impact player at the wide receiver position, that would be the, the way to go. And there will be a round of receivers because the Jets and, and uh, Raiders also need receivers as well. And you've got three receivers with Jerry Judy, CD Lamb, and, and um, Henry Ruggs III. So the only one that really stands out to me as fitting what the Niners need right now, like with everything that he does is, is CD lamb. And I think that he's probably going to be there because what's going to happen is that one team is going to fall in love with Judy's route running. I feel like he's, he is the most polished receiver of the draft. Um, another team is going to fall in with Henry Ruggs's. They're going to fall in love with Henry Ruggs's speed. He ran the fastest 40 at the combine for, for uh, receivers. And that leaves CD lamb. Who's a, a yak monster. And is very good after the catch, and that's something that Kyle Shanahan looks like looks at. Like we all know that Kyle Shanahan has a type for receiver, right? He likes guys that can run with the ball after the catch. Dante Pettis is one of those guys. Debo is one of those guys. Um, Trent Taylor is a shifty guy who can run with the ball a, a little bit after the catch. So I think that they're lacking a, a, a kind of number one sort of target. Debo is a really really good number two, and he could be a number one soon. But you have to take the pressure off of him and be able to let him develop. And I think you do that by adding another receiver. They let Emmanuel Sanders go as well. He, he, he signed with the Saints, as we know. But essentially, if you don't draft a receiver that's an impact player, you're pretty much rolling with the same receiving core that you had bef- before Emmanuel Sanders last year. And we saw how Jimmy played last year with that group. It wasn't, it wasn't nearly as good as when Emmanuel Sanders joined the team. So I think that CeeDee Lamb is going to be the pick at 13. See, I, I think the wide receiver is a need for sure. Um, but to me... The reason they didn't win the Super Bowl is because they couldn't stop Chris Jones from pressuring up the middle and he kept deflecting Jimmy Garoppolo's passes. He had open receivers, especially late in that fourth quarter. Chris Jones just didn't let the ball get there. He was getting so much pressure. And I know he's a really good player, but the fact is the 49ers struggled protecting the interior of the offensive line all season long. To me, I do not want them to go wide receiver. You draft offensive line because it makes every other part of your offense better makes your quarterback better because he gets more protection, makes your receivers better because the quarterback has more time, so they have more time to get open, and it makes your running game better, obviously, because in theory, they would block better than whoever they're replacing. So to me, you've got to go offensive line. I wouldn't even be mad if the 49ers had a repeat of, of their draft from years ago when they took uh, Upati and Staley. Was it Upati and – no, not Staley. Upati and uh, Anthony Davis, the tackle. Like, I would love to see them double up. If they went tackle guard, tackle at – 13 guard at 31 i'd be totally fine with that because there's not a ton of open spots on this team for rookies an offensive line i think is one where we could see an impact yeah i'm torn i don't really have any that i feel like must be done would i be really happy with one of the wide receivers certainly do i think that there's gonna be very good prospects that are maybe slightly worse at the receiver position later in round one absolutely so is the value there I'm torn on that. Offensive line, certainly we could use one, but we might be able to get somebody like Ruiz or a quality guard later 
at 31 or in a trade down into the second round because interior offensive linemen aren't drafted very highly, especially in a draft that is going to have so many receivers uh, that teams are trading up to get. The only one that I would say I wouldn't be upset about, but it would just be a little bit of an underwhelming feeling would be defensive line just because I don't personally feel like that is a need. I think it's a luxury to get a top defensive lineman. I think that's somebody that's that's the position out of the top ones that I would say the Niners should try to get, you know, try to get a third or fourth round pick and get somebody in the middle middle rounds that could potentially play if there's injuries or be a be somebody that fills in to give other guys rest. There's plenty of depth on that defensive line. I don't think it's a true need. Whereas interior offensive line in the immediate future is a need and tackle will be a future need very soon and then there's obviously corner will be a a need very soon because every single corner on this team has their contracts expiring next year and then obviously wide receiver we definitely need one at some point in this draft it's going to be able to play a big role whether that's truly a starter or somebody that just plays quite a bit so i'm not going to be upset about anything i will say my slight preference if the right offer comes would be to trade down and that's just because of how the draft works out Guys that you think are surefire prospects, a Jerry Judy, you know, a guy that I said earlier this season that is a can't miss prospect, but prospects miss all the time that you think are can't miss. So to me, I think the Niners are in that scenario where the Patriots have been for years, where they have a great roster. They don't have too many needs. So having such a high pick isn't necessarily needed, especially in a draft that has so much depth at the positions the Niners need. So a trade down would be my slight preference, but I'm not really going to be upset with anything. What do I think they're going to do? That's a different question to me. What I think they're going to do, and I'll I'll lead off on that one. What I think they're going to do is, while they've drafted D-line, offensive line, and D-line with their three first picks this regime, regime so far, I think they're going offensive line. They have a very firm belief. The trenches are where it's won. Defensive line has the depth to where it's not truly a need. Whereas offensive line certainly doesn't have the depth. And we've already seen countless articles where Shanahan was frustrated with how his offense couldn't quite operate how he wanted because they couldn't get the time. So a couple, a couple of things there. Um, I personally, to me, I, I wouldn't want a defensive lineman there uh, because I don't believe in making a lateral move of trading Buckner. And then you just fill that spot with a defensive lineman who, frankly, to me, it would be, John Kinlaw that would be there most likely if, if he lasts until 13, but uh, he was a worse college player than DeForest Buckner. He's still a good college player, but DeForest Buckner was so much better coming out of college. Um, and you're drafting a position that you've pretty much been feeding for the last four or five years um, pretty consistently. And, and I think that to me, the reason why I thought that receiver and I, I, I blew my, my pick already, but that's fine. Um, I, I, the reason why I thought that wide receiver would be a, a better way to go is because I'd much rather be a little worse on the defensive line and much better in the receiving core than the other way around. Um, and the reason why is because the guy that is taking snaps from center, your franchise quarterback, he needs targets. And this is not only we're trying to win games here, but we're also trying to evaluate him to see if, if this guy is really the guy. The questions came out after the Super Bowl, which we predictably said that they would, but they came out and they're like, well, is Jimmy Garoppolo the guy? Is he, is he uh, going to develop even more? Can he take him over the, over the top? And some questions were unwarranted. Some of them were legitimate, right? And I think to erase all of that, to know what you have in Jimmy Garoppolo and for Kyle Shanahan to know what his limitations are, you have to give him a legitimate shot at getting targets uh, to be able to throw to. And, and stats, the point that you made is true. Very, very um, true that Chris Jones wrecked a lot of stuff and, and a lot of things were open in, in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, it's like for Kyle Shanahan, it's like, how long are you going to scheme guys open? Right? Like, how long are you just going to be like, okay, whatever? Well, Andy Reid's been doing it for 20 years. But you, but you can't do that, though. Like, you can't. But look, Andy Reid was able to do that because he has, now he has superior athletes. He has so much speed at the wide receiver position, all three of them. You've got Sammy Watkins, who's the slowest, which is he's still pretty fast. Tyree Kill is a burner, and Nicole Hardman, who's the one of the fastest receivers at the combine uh, last year. So I think that like that's what the Niners need. You need a guy with that superlative, either super big or super fast, or some some sort of large target for for Jimmy to throw to, because you can't just have him work in this 15 yard box that he's been working in. So I think that yeah, like for me, like wide receivers are the way to go for the first pick, and you know the second pick. You know I have, I have a few scenarios I want to throw at you guys, but I I, I just 
like uh, offensive line, like I think Staley's coming back. Um, you know, they got rid of person and Brunskill. He was, he was more than adequate as a backup and a guy, a guy who came in and filled in when person was hurt. So I think that for them, like that's a, that's a undrafted free agent contract. Right. And then you have school who is the backup tackle and that's, you know, like a, a sixth or seventh round pick contract. Right. So in terms of salary cap spending, like you got bargains in both of those spots, right? So you should be able to to move some of these resources elsewhere to get your team better. So I mean, that's just me. Um, I don't know what you think, stats. Well, part of me thinks that this might be the year where they finally make a big investment in the secondary because they haven't really done it when it comes to the draft. And we know we all thought that they were going to go safety. I thought for sure we were going to get early. There was going to be a safety pick. There wasn't. They didn't take a safety in the whole draft last year. I'm not saying they go safety this year. All I'm saying is the two biggest plays of the Super Bowl to me were obviously the huge play to Tyree Kill on third and 15 and the play that Richard Sherman got burned on where Sammy Watkins just left him in the dust. And Richard ain't getting any faster. That's for damn sure. And he's going to be a free agent after next year anyway. So I think that maybe this year in the first round, they look at 13 and say, you know, if, if the guy we want is there, maybe that's that they finally jump into the pool there. And go defensive back, and I part of me hopes that they do because I still have nightmares about those plays in the Super Bowl. It just the thought I keep coming back to is they clearly thought Mike Person was better than Brunskill last year. Now certainly they think Brunskill probably has potential, but if they thought he was a surefire starter, he would have been starting, not Person, and they got rid of Person. So that tells you they feel like there's still a need there. They think Brunskill could fill that need, but if they were 100% confident in that, he would have been playing already. So that tells me they think guard is a huge need. They're going to be getting a guard at some point in this draft. Now, it's a question, in my opinion, of do they take a tackle at 13, make him play guard for the next year or two while Staley's still here, and then move him later over to tackle, which tackle playing guard in Shanahan's system you're not wasting anything there because they pull so often having a Mm -hmm. guy who can have that athletic ability that a tackle has is a good thing in this system and guys at the top of this list are certain at the top of the draft are certainly capable of doing that or do you try to get caesar ruiz and that's the one that i find interesting because if they think caesar ruiz is their answer at guard they're not going to sit around and wait at 31 because it's kind of 50-50 if we look to mock drafts, whether Ruiz lasts till 31. And you don't want to take that risk if that's your goal going in. So to me, the interesting scenario that I could see happening, and this would be the one that I think is kind of unexpected, would kind of shock a lot of people, would get a big reaction. I could see them trading down from 13 into the early 20s in a spot where they're confident they'll definitely be able to get Ruiz but get that second and third round pick and then be having a draft that shakes out as having a early twenties pick, pick 31, a second round pick and a third round pick. To me that that is a scenario that I could see this regime falling into. They get the guy they want, but they don't overspend to get him at 13, but they can't wait till 31 either. That's the type of thing. Like this draft is so weird compared to normal years one we're used to drafting towards the top of the (laughs) draft so it's a little easier to know the prospects the Niners might be interested in plus there are more glaring holes so it was easier to know well they definitely need to address this but then it's also a weird draft because of the whole COVID thing there were no pro days there's a less of a consensus because pro days less less uh in-person interviews so even your scouts, the guys who do the mocks, the lists, there's less consensus because there's less info out there. But then I also read an interesting point that I hadn't thought about, that at the pro days, a lot of times you have your top execs standing next to each other and they chit-chat and they kind of gather information from each other to kind of see where teams are falling, where you don't have that this year. So you're going to see some big surprises where somebody nobody thought was valued this high, some team did. That's going to happen. And that's what makes this draft so interesting with the Niners having two first round picks. I don't know what else to say other than that. It's just, (laughs) this is a draft I'm going to go into and I'm basically going to strap into my seat, put my seatbelt on and go, all right, I'm ready because I have no clue what's going to (laughs) happen. They're not going to draft a punter this year. They're not. They're not going to do that. No, that's the one for sure thing. 
<laughs> that's one for sure thing. But so um, to your point of them, them trading down. So I, I do. So I, I question that only because like you traded, you know, you traded for the number 13 overall pick. And if you trade down into the twenties, that basically means that like, you're basically, you traded that pick for essentially what would be like a pick that was, I don't know, 10, 11 picks before your own uh, minus the, the picks that you would get in, in addition for trading down. So the picks so, are the key thing. You're yeah. picking up mid round picks that you don't have and you're still getting a first round pick. That would essentially mean they traded Buckner for a mid twenties, first round pick, a second round pick and a third round pick, which would be fair compensation for that trade up. Well, right. Exactly. I so think I just, a lot of fans would say that's a good trade. Exactly. So I was just going to get to that. So you essentially traded a trade Buckner for three players, right? So, which is, which is, uh, uh, in terms of, uh, value is huge, but the the question I have is that okay, well, do they need that many players? Like this this roster doesn't do they need that many? Right. I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with the trade down. Like I think I think that hell yeah, if, if if your guy falls and you can get him and you can pick up extra picks either this year or next year, do it because you've got you're up against the cap. You need more of these rookie contracts. You need more fifth year option guys um, in the first round as well. So I mean, I think that like both of these picks with if you can keep 31 and and get like into the 20s and have two guys on a on a fifth year option. Um, that potentially, you know, five years from now you can resign. I, I think that's that's a a pretty solid move. But like you said, like there isn't any sort of way to gauge what's going on with any team now because nobody has access to anything. Like this is like, I guess back in the old days before the internet, where teams were basically just doing their work and we would just hear about it sparingly in the newspapers and stuff. And and at that point, it was much more of a mystery to us fans, and and some ways more fun because. You didn't know what was going to happen in some ways more frustrating if they didn't go with the guy that you thought. But I do agree with that, that this year is just such a huge question mark. I just hope that they understand that they have, and I'm sure they do, but I'm sure that I hope they understand that they have a roster that's basically ripe and ready to go and that they don't overthink this and, and pull like a Solomon Thomas like they did yeah. in the first year. Right. I, I really hope that they're able to, to avoid that mistake again. Well, I think this draft is going to be interesting because the teams that are buttoned up and that are organized are the teams that are going to have success and take advantage of this chaos that like you guys are talking about. So there's so much unknown. How many scenarios have the 49ers planned for ahead of time? You know, how many contingencies do they have? Because I feel like this draft, because of the expiring contracts on the team, the ages of some of the certain key players on the team, the salary cap situation, I feel like this draft determines whether the window is maybe three, four, five years, or if next year may be the end of the window. If they hit on the guys that they take, and again, it depends on how many guys they end up with and what deals they make, but if they can hit on a couple of guys, I feel like that extends the window this year. And in order to do that, you have to be buttoned up and prepared for the scenarios and take advantage maybe of a situation that you didn't see coming when it does uh, appear. Do you guys want to hear my scenarios that I had? Sure. Okay. All right. So I think that, um, and, I, and I wrote all these down because uh, I don't want to forget them, <laughs> but I think that really there's a few different ways that this, this can uh, shake out um, specifically for the, the number 31 pick. So let's say um, all three wide receivers are gone at that point. Um, we hear that Denver wants to trade up and get a wide receiver as well. Uh, desperately trying to trade. I think with Cleveland, it was um, they have, they had Cortland Sutton. They need more help for Drew Locke. So let's say that Lamb, Judy, and Rugs are all gone by that point. Then uh, you go with a guy like Henderson, Kinlaw. I mean, I guess they can. That would be an okay pick, or they go offensive line with that. So you then run into the situation where you need to pick a receiver at some point in the draft higher because this guy has to be an impact player and you have a giant gigantic hole there. So you're sitting there at 31 and um, a guy like Denzel Mims is there and he's been linked to the 49ers. He's uh, interviewed with them uh, in, uh, not in person, but virtual visits is what they're ha- what's happening now. Saw him at the combine and um, they seem to be very interested in him. So, he may be had at the top of the second round as well. He may be there in the first, the first 10 picks. They can possibly trade back from 31, still get Denzel Mims, get their offensive linemen or defensive linemen at 13, and you pick up you know, like a mid-round pick. I believe for training down from, from 31, you'd pick either 
pick up a, a late third or early fourth. So you, you do get that mid-round pick, right? So that's, that's one scenario. Um, the other, and another scenario is if like Lamb is there at 13 and you, and you go Lamb, and your scenario, uh, 11, where Ruiz is still on the board at 31, you can go Ruiz at 31 and basically you filled two gigantic knees already in the first, the, the first round. Um, the third scenario I have is that if they go wide receiver at 13, and I'm saying it's Lamb because I think that he's going to be the one that's left. It could be Ruggs. It could be Judy, but uh, I'm for argument's sake, I'm just saying it's Lamb. Um, Ruiz is off the board. The Niners trade back in the top of the second round, um, and they could select a guy like Ross Blacklock, the defensive the defensive tackle, and then that that fills that hole for Divorce Buckner because we know that this Lynch and Shanahan regime they do like filling holes through the draft like that, and they like filling them relatively early. So um, you filled your wide receiver, and then you trade back, and then you get you get your defensive tackle and then you get like an extra fourth. The third, the fourth scenario I have is that you go defensive tackle at 13, you get Kinlaw, you train down from 31, knowing that Mims or like a guy like Michael Pittman is going to be there in the top of the second round. And then you go with Mims or Pittman. So then you get your D tackle and wide receiver. And basically like the, the rest of the scenarios I kind of have played out in my mind are, are combinations of drafting a cornerback at 13 and then, drafting receiver at 31 or trading down from 31 and drafting receiver. But it centers around what happens at 13. And if you don't get your receiver at 13, then you're going to see basically either they're going to stay pat at 31 and draft like a guy like Mims there, or they'll trade back a little bit and then they'll get their wide receiver at the top of the second round. I don't think that they're going to wait. Like some of these mocks have said until like the third round or like trade back, you know, and, and get like a fourth round pick and, and, and uh, draft a receiver there. I think it's going to come in the first two rounds. So I know there's a lot to unpack there, but I've been <laughs> well, thinking about this for a while, but it's quarantine. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's very easy to narrow down what positions the Niners are going to target. It's just a matter of, do they trade down to get more picks to address all those positions? Or do they stay where they're at and what priority they have for those? We know they're going to go wide receiver, defensive line, offensive line or corner now that's quite a few positions but by defensive line i mean defensive tackle edge is out they're not going to go edge not early I'm, I'm talking about with those first round picks or first and second round picks if they trade down so it's going to be a defensive tackle they're going to get an offensive lineman almost definitely an offensive lineman that's able to play inside right away because that's their big need right away Right now, that doesn't mean that he's full-time going to be a guard. He might replace Staley on the outside. We know wide receiver, and we know corner. That means linebacker, no way. Edge, no way. Safety, I highly doubt it, unless it's a safety that's also capable of sliding down and playing like a slot corner, which isn't a huge need right now. And obviously, quarterback, no way. We keep talking about wide receivers, and uh, understandably. But I also keep seeing reports that the 49ers are looking heavily at another tight end. Supposedly, they were sniffing around Austin Hooper. There was a report I saw today that maybe they were thinking about Evan Ingram for the Giants. What do you think of, and I guess, Zane, I'll throw it to you. Do you think it's possible that they say, look, let's get a, a receiving threat as our backup tight end, Ingram or Hooper or whoever, you know, or established player, and then we don't have to worry about wide receiver. That, you know, we'll go with two tight ends. We'll go with Debo. We'll, we'll throw some use check in there. And we'll scare the hell out of people like that. And then they, you know, then it, it opens up. Take wide receiver off the table. Now they could go double offensive line in the first round. They could go cornerback. You know, it opens up a lot of possibilities for them. So you think it's possible that they are looking at tight end as sort of their escape hatch to having to go spend one of these first round picks on a wide receiver? Possibly. So it's interesting that that they are looking at all those tight ends. And Delaney Walker is on the market. Uh, you know, he's at the tail end of his career. But if you guys remember back when Delaney Walker was was on the 49ers and Vernon Davis was here, they made a really, really good tandem because uh physically nobody could really match up with them. They were too fast and they were both receiving threats. And Vernon Davis was one of the best blocking tight ends in the league at the time, much like George Kittle is now. And I think that that alleviates the pressure like you said, to, to, to get a wide receiver and, and New England did it a few years back as well with Gronkowski and, and um, the Aaron, deceased, Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. So I think that the Niners are maybe following that same sort of model 
because they realize that, well, Jimmy came from that same system too, right? So maybe he's more comfortable with that sort of thing. But that being said, I don't even rule out a trade for like OJ Howard. Oh, that would be awesome. I mean, if they trade one of these first round picks, trade down with like Tampa Bay and they get OJ Howard and they trade into the second round or third round, like, all right, well, we'll trade you the 31st pick. You give us OJ Howard and then like a third. That that kind of fills a hole too. But I mean, like then you, it comes at a cost, right? It comes at a cost of possibly losing out on Ruiz if he falls at 31 or a defensive tackle like Blacklock or, you know, there's there's a bevy of scenarios we could go through or uh, AJ Terrell, the corner out of Clemson. Like it, there's so many things that they could do in this draft to fill that hole at tight end. Um, I think that they'll probably look to the draft first to fill that. Um, just because again, the, the salary and, and things like that will be much lower and it allows you to focus on other players. Like if you draft, if you trade for like OJ Howard, it's like, okay, well then you're also paying like a premium on a, a, a second tight end at this point. So, um, you know, he's not going to get starting money, but like you're still paying more than you would pay a draft pick, obviously. So I think that's anything is possible. They will definitely add a tight end, um, during draft weekend, whether it's by trade or in the draft though, they will definitely add one. So the way I look at it is the Niners need a second receiving tight end, not necessarily a second blocking tight end because they have that already. So the, the ability to find a tight end who can at least faint at being a blocker, (laughs) but is a athlete. Those exist. Those there's quite a few in this draft that's projected in the mid to late rounds because it is somewhat limiting to not be able to be a blocker and not be in very well for a run game if you're the starter and teams don't tend to draft a guy thinking, well, he'll be a good backup receiving option at tight end. But the Niners are in a unique situation with a unique coach. So they have that capability in the later rounds. And there are guys out there that fit that mold. The one that I mentioned in my mock draft that I wrote for the website was Bryson Hopkins, which kind of a homer pick because he played at Purdue and I grew up where Purdue is. But, you know, he runs a four. Four five forty. He's a great receiving option who has the physical tools to be a good blocker, but he's not. He's not a good blocker, but his dad was a Pro Bowl offensive tackle for the Tennessee. So he obviously has the capability and he's big. He has all the physical tools, just doesn't have the technique. I think the Niners would love to get a dominant tight end to go along with Kittle, like New England had. And that's why they targeted Hooper. That's why they targeted uh, Evan Ingram, but supposedly, but outside of those elite ones, I don't see them trading for a second rate one. They'll just draft one late. OJ Howard, I would like, but I don't see it. I don't see them valuing o- getting OJ Howard over the mid round pick that they could have instead in a trade down. If that makes sense, that yes, they definitely need a tight end. I, I just, unless they can get an elite one, I see them going late round for it. So, how valuable do you think those mid round picks are? No second, no third, no fourth round pick for the Niners. But like we've said, they don't have a lot of open spots on the on the team. So how important are they? I mean, if you're getting two guys in the first round and they've had success in the fifth round and they've got multiple fifth round picks, I believe, this year, do you need a second, third, fourth round pick, Zane? So after the first round, after number 31 overall, their next pick is the fifth round, number 11 overall, uh, number 11 in the fifth round. Then they've got another pick at number 31, which is their own. Um, sixth round at number 31, that's their own. Seventh uh, round at number three in the seventh round, that's, I believe that's a comp pick. Um, and then, um, and then uh, the, 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 last, the second to last pick in the draft. So I think that it really depends on what the board looks like because a lot of guys, a lot of times guys can slide, especially like in this receiver class, it's super deep. You will see guys probably sliding out of the first round because of that. So second round picks in that sense, they're specifically the top half of the second round to me are super valuable because that's almost like a late first round pick because there are more than 32 guys that are worthy, in my opinion, of going in the first round, but there are only 32 first round picks, right? Like Deshaun Jackson was a good example of that. He went in the second round. He should have been a first round pick. Um, and the Niners drafted Kentron Balmer instead, which was terrible, but um, <laughs> But I think that a situation like that, where you see a guy slide for whatever reason, uh, DK Metcalf was another is another guy like that, where he slid, uh, had some off appeal of questions and things like that. And you're able to get those guys if you're having picks around two. 
uh, and sometimes around three as well, the first half. And then once you get to like the fourth and fifth round, it becomes much more difficult because like you see guys that either were injured for part of their college career or a guy that may not have had, if he's like a receiver or tight end, may not have had a, a good quarterback throwing the ball to him, uh, a, an offensive lineman that had subpar running backs with, with poor vision. That's when you run into that sort of thing. And I think that once you run, once you get to the middle rounds, you have to look for superlatives. Like this guy was all conference or this guy was, you know, a Blitnikoff award finalist, or this guy, you know, led his conference in sacks, things like that. This guy ran the fastest 40 time uh, in, in the draft or at his position, things like that, that set that particular person apart from other people at that point in the draft. That's really what you have to look for. Like Tyree kill is a good example, right? Um, he was basically one of the fastest, if not, fa- if not the fastest in, in the draft at that point. So I think that that's what you have to look for in the middle rounds. And that's, if you approach the draft that way, then yes, those middle round picks are valuable and you can build a team with those. But if you're a championship team and you don't have spots for any of these guys, then those middle round picks are like, okay, well, we can stash this guy in the practice squad. He's a, he's a project guy. Um, he's a track guy that, you know, played college football for two years and trying to convert him, that sort of thing. Um, so that's not, that's not, that's kind of hedging, but that's kind of how I feel about it. I would say the most surprised I would be in how this, tr- this draft could shake down for the Niners is if they don't trade down with at least one of those picks, if they stay at both 13 and 31 and just punt on the second, third and fourth <laughs> rounds in a really deep draft, I would be shocked because Championships are built in those mid rounds. Those are the picks. But they've done that, the building already. Yes, they? they have. But injuries happen. You can't say, "Well, we ha- we have all these guys that are great at this position. You know, all our starting positions are great. We don't we don't need mid round picks." Well, guys get hurt. Or I mean, remember going into last season, we all thought cornerback we're we're set, and then Witherspoon got hurt and was struggling mightily before that. And we're like, whoa, all of a sudden we have a need at cornerback. Luckily, Mosley stepped in and ended up being quite good. But Mosley's in the same situation that Witherspoon is in now. We're all expecting him to be starting quality. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a follow-up. That doesn't mean with an off-season of film, teams have figured out something. You, you know, th- there are positions that won't be as good as we think they will be right now. Right now, Everybody's looking at the Niners rosters and saying they don't have a huge glaring weakness other than maybe your second wide receiver, which is countered by who the coach is. But things happen. Injuries happen, you know, and guys just aren't as good as what is expected. They have a huge fall off despite being young and promising and thinking they're on an upward trajectory. You can't just punt on your second, third and fourth rounds and expect to keep that depth. So it'd be a gamble, in my opinion, of the Niners saying we're going to get the elite guys that we're very confident will be starters and hope our depth holds. There's another possibility that we haven't talked about because we talked about trading down, but everything that we've talked about has essentially been involving picks. But the Niners could move a player from their roster in order to get picks in the mid-rounds. And one of the players that could possibly be on the move is Matt Breida, who said himself recently that he would welcome a fresh start, which I guess I could understand considering Shanahan's running back usage is inconsistent let's say to say the least um do you see matt Breida on this team next monday so first of all i think that matt Breida should have played in the super bowl in offense i will say that uh one of the fastest players on your team i know he, he had a couple fumbles in the playoffs that were very frustrating to most like to kyle shanahan that uh affected uh, the playing time that matt Breida had but i think that he was basically a thousand yard runner the year before on a, on a bad team when, after Jimmy got hurt and you know, he's on an undrafted free agent contract. So it's not like, well, he signed the one year tender now, but uh, you're getting a bargain for what he brings to the table. One of the fastest players in the, in the NFL, a good runner, um, high character guy. And I think that to me, I, I, would love to see Matt Breida on the team, but it becomes a numbers game guys, right? Like it's Raheem Mostert had a coming out party last year. Uh, you've got Tevin Coleman, who was a Shanahan guy who was going into the last year of his contract. You've got Jeff Wilson, who is also liked very much by this coaching staff who spent most of the last year on the practice squad. We had five touchdowns in limited action and 
was also active for the Super Bowl, uh, which is kind of telling to me. Um, Use check and uh, who's who's basically a, a blocker uh, and Jack McKinnon, who's coming back from the knee. So I don't really know what McKinnon's knee is looking like right now. And I think that that could have an, uh, an effect on what happens with Greta. But if McKinnon is healthy, like they think he will be, and if he's going to be a focal point, like they hoped he would be when they signed him, that leaves Breed as the on man out. And obviously we've heard of trade discussions with him. And the problem is that running back in the NFL now is so um, it's not, it's not a valued position. It's not a position that people look at and be like, okay, well we're going to like Leonard Fournette is on the training block guys. Like he was a top 10 pick the same year Solomon Thomas came out. So it's not the same as it used to be back in the early 2000s and the nineties where the running back was like kind of one of the centerpieces of the offense. I think that if you trade Breda, you first of all have to get the proper value for him. And second of all, you have to be sure that Jet McKinnon's knee is healthy. And if they do trade him, I mean, like what you would expect, like a fifth at, at best at this point because of the value that you give to a running back. So to answer the first question, no, Breda will not be on the team. I wouldn't say necessarily in the draft. I mean, if if the true best no offer comes that they like, I could see them trading him later for a future pick or maybe doing a player swap if it just doesn't come to fruition during the draft. But I don't think he'll be on the team come training camp, period. With that, I think the reason for that is is he's relatively expensive as a running back, backup running back. And he's certainly going to be a backup running back and probably third on the depth chart, maybe even fourth with Jeff Wilson, which Put him on the borderline of even making the team and try or being practice squad, which he's not eligible for. With that, I think the big factor here is how well I would say regime, but I really think it's Kyle Shanahan is able to find a running back to get production, I guess is the way to put it. He can find them in undrafted. He can find them late rounds. I think the Niners will trade Brita and they're going to spend a late round pick on a running back because it, that that's all they need. A guy with some speed who can hit a hole, one cut running back. And that's been the way that offensive system has been for so long. So why not get value for Brita? The value for Brita is not what fans are going to think it is. He's a fan favorite. And I think te- fans tend to not be very good at evaluating players on a one-year deals uh, value to other teams. He's a one-year running back that is somewhat expensive and has massive injury concerns. He's always banged up. And he doesn't have the pedigree of another team being, I remember how great I thought he was. I think I can make it work. Which does happen sometimes when highly drafted players get traded and a year or two later, you have some GM that thinks he's still that guy that they thought prior to the draft. So you got a guy on a one-year deal who wasn't, thought of highly at all in the draft obviously and on top of that he's got injury concerns fifth is the best you can expect he's not going to bring more than that all really solid points i i wholeheartedly agree with that and i and i don't think he's going to be on the team come monday either but i will say that um when it comes to the way that kajian evaluates running backs it's kind of a, a running back carousel right it's not really one guy, it's it's a running back by committee. And it seems to have settled. He settles on different guys at different times. And during the playoffs, he settled on Mostert. And we have to remember that Raheem Mostert's also one of the best special teamers in the league. Should have made the Pro Bowl as a special teamer, in my opinion. He's one of the fastest gunners in the league. And he led the team with special teams tackles. So I don't think that Raheem Mostert can go an entire season being the guy at running back and also playing special teams. So to your thought, Levin, I do think that that Brito will be gone, but they will replace him with the running back in the later rounds who can play special teams to either uh, spell Mostert at times or just completely take that uh, responsibility from him so he can stay fresh. Because it's not going to work for 16 games. What they did in the playoffs, that's not working for 16 games. Can I just, how is Marquise Goodwin still on his team? Like, how is he still on the team? The two guys I don't get at all are CJ Beathard and Marquise Goodwin. Neither one of them should be on the team. And yet they're like cockroaches. <laughs> nobody seems to want them around, but you can't get rid of them. What's going on? That's because on? nobody else wants them. That's the whole problem. The reason that Goodwin especially is still on the team is the team hasn't been forced to make their decision yet. That's really what it comes down to. They know, in my opinion, he's not going to be on the team next year. They're just hoping to get some kind 
of compensation for him so they don't have the dead cap hit. They can erase all of the cap. So why make that move prior to the draft? Wait through the draft. See if you can include him in a draft day trade, even if it's just a throw-in on, on a deal uh, that involves picks as well. That, that, to me, is what they're doing. They're trying to not take the cap hit of the dead cap space. And why make the decision of releasing them before you have to when they might be able to pawn them off come draft? So the, the, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but the, the unfortunate thing stats, the reason, not the reason why they're on the team, but I mean, part of the reason why these guys have underperformed is because they've been through personal tragedies themselves, right? Uh, CJ Beathard, I mean, he was already the backup when he lost his brother, but Marquise Goodwin, I mean, such terrible, terrible luck. Um, and so many, uh, bad things happening to a guy in such a short period of time. I'm surprised the guy's even playing football at all. So to me, I think that for him, it was one of those situations where there's so much off the field stuff that he wasn't able to get over it to be able to play football at a high level. Because look, remember when, when Jimmy first came in, the first year that Goodwin was here, he was, he was a pretty good receiver. He was Jimmy's go-to guy in those last five games. And we all thought that, okay, well, we think we have a connection here. And the next season, like that's when those personal problems started. And, and that's when the injury started and he kind of never, never really caught up from there. But that's one of those guys that's going to get traded or released. But like Levin said, you have to find a taker for these guys. Like, I think it's so funny on Twitter or on social media, wherever you go, like fans will be like, oh, well, uh, trade XYZ player for a bunch of draft picks or whatever, even if it's seventh round hit, but like everybody needs to understand there has to be a market for these guys. There has to be people who want them on their team. And if nobody wants them on their team, and they know that they can get them after being released. Why the hell would you give up any compensation for it? So yeah, but you don't need a trade partner for CJ Beathard. He stinks. Just dump him. <laughs> like I, I, I'm sorry that he obviously suffered a horrible tragedy. There's nothing that's going to happen on the football field that's going to be anything close to what he suffered. But he stinks, and he's taken up a roster spot. Like why is it? You don't need a trade partner. Just get rid of them. You want the roster spot. That spot's more valuable than anything you get back in a trade. Do you guys think that they draft a quarterback to that to that point? If if, if Beathard is gone, fine. He's he's you know he's gone. They release him, trade him, whatever. Do you think that they draft a quarterback knowing that Nick Mullins is basically after this season he's pretty much gone because people know how good how good he can be. And some I seriously doubt it. That. <laughs> do, you, do you think they'll? I mean, I think obviously every year they bring in camp arms, right? Like undrafted guys, but. I don't think they'll draft one. They don't have the resources to do it, but we've all seen certain people floating that out. They don't want to take the crap that they would take because you know as soon as they draft a guy, it would be, oh, Kyle Shannon doesn't have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, he's drafting his seventh round pick's going to replace Jimmy. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I don't want to make this about Jimmy, but I wasn't on the pod when you guys were talking about the Buckner trade. I just want to point this out. If Kyle Shanahan really disliked Jimmy Garoppolo as much as some people seem to think and really had as many questions about him, he would have traded Jimmy Garoppolo, kept Armstead and Buckner. He didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So let's just enough. Like I'm putting that to bed. That's it. That's all I'm saying about it. No, they're not going to take a quarterback. Speaking of things that might be put to bed, I, I think we need to address the elephant in the room. We kind of planned on talking about this earlier and we've hinted around it multiple times, but we never quite addressed it specifically. And that would be putting to bed the career of Joe Staley. Is that happening? Is it not? That's one of the biggest questions. And certainly I would say that the biggest question surrounding this team that could affect the draft in the biggest way. Because if he's going to retire, and the Niners know that, that pick 13 has to be a tackle. There, there is no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And if he's not going to retire, why hasn't he announced it yet? That, that to me is the thing that worries me. Right now, I'm hoping the team doesn't know. Joe Staley doesn't know yet. Because if he knows, if he was going to definitely 100% come back and he's told the team that, announcing that would only help them because if they were wanting to target a tackle. It doesn't hurt them if they don't want to tackle, but it would help them if they want to tackle because other teams wouldn't be expecting it. They wouldn't try to trade in front of them if they felt they needed to to get a tackle. Whereas if he is going to retire and he's told the team that that really hurts them if they announce it because every team then knows they're going tackle at 13. I need to get in front of them if I want that tackle. So I'm hoping they don't know because if they do know and they just haven't announced it yet, to me, that means he's retiring. I don't know. I think he's playing my, my gut feeling. I think he plays. 
we heard after the season, John Lynch say that he expects Joe Staley back. But then I think the question mark started to pop up after Matt Mayoko had the report, like we were talking about um, earlier. But I think that Staley plays. And I think that um, it's one of those situations where he wants to go through camp to see how his body feels. And this is, this is very common in the NFL guys towards the tail end of their career. They don't like the training camp practices. They don't like the two a days. They don't like being away from home. And they just, they just want to give their bodies a rest from all of that. Like this is Joe Staley was drafted in 2000 and was it 2007, right? Or was it 06? No, 06 of Vernon Davis. 07 was, was Staley and, and, and Willis. So look, like the guy's been playing for, for 13 years. He's been through 13 training camps. I think that in this situation, he's going to take the time to see how his body reacts and feels going to try to get into playing shape. Because honestly, with this, with this quarantine, how many guys are in playing shape right now? Not many. And I think he's going to take the time that he's going to need to, to announce it. But I think he'll probably let the team know first when he decides. Now, do I think he's going to retire? No, I think he's going to play, but it's going to be one of those situations where it's going to drag on through training camp. He knows he's going to play. The team knows he's going to play, but it's going to be one of those things where they're keeping it close to the vest because it affects all other transactions. And why would you let that information out when you don't have to? So he'll play and I'm with you. If he retires and if they know he's going to retire, that has to hundred percent be a a tackle at number 13. I think that if the team stunk, he'd be retired. If the team was nine and seven, I think he would retire. But the fact that they went 13 and three and got to the Super Bowl and were five minutes away from winning a championship, I think to me, he says, one more year. I think he knows the team is going to draft his replacement, um, but they're right there. And he went through so much garbage. Think of what Joe Staley has been through in his career since he's been drafted. I mean, the peaks and valleys, especially after the Harbaugh years, they just they just were awful. And then you knew they were going to be awful going in. You know when Jim Tom Sula gets that job, your team <laughs> is going to stink. And he just suffered through it, you know, and now he's sort of, he, he Shawshank Redemption, you know, he crawled through a river of crap and he's come through clean on the other side. He's to make it worth it. You got to stick around at least one more year. And I think he will. And hopefully he has told the team, because if the team honestly doesn't know, then you have to assume that he's out because like you, like you guys have said, you can't pass on the opportunity to take a tackle at 13 if you don't know. I think there is an overwhelmingly likely chance he comes back like well over 90%. You know, I'd put it up there like 95, 96% chance Mm -hmm. he comes back because if he decides he doesn't want to come back, we're going to see, I would think something along the lines of a Brett fire situation where teammates show up at his house and say, Hey, hold on, (laughs) come back. (laughs) This should be the first one, right? This is a championship window. And I think that even if Joe feels like, he kind of wants to retire. I think that is going to be a, a motivating factor for him coming back. He'd feel like he's letting the team down because they have a true chance at a championship and him retiring would certainly hurt that. Even if they get a tackle at 13, it would make it less likely because you're not going to get a rookie who can play with the top edge guys as consistently as St- Staley can. But with that, I think there's one last topic I want to throw at you guys, and it's kind of putting you guys on a, on the spot. I think it would be interesting to see what is your ideal result with number thirteen and thirty one, and you can include trade downs. What is your ideal result? And I'll start to give you guys time to think because my ideal res- result. I'm not going to talk about when they were taken at thirteen or thirty one. My ideal result is a trade down that gets a second round pick, but end up with a Justin Jefferson. Michael Pittman or Denzel Mims somewhere in there, or if you stay at 13, one of those top three and get an offensive lineman with the other pick in the first round. And then in the, your second, third, or whatever picks you end up with in the mid rounds, address your cornerback and defensive line positions. Cause those are the positions that the Niners are good at this coming season. The following season is a huge mess, especially at corner. But I feel like address the issues you need for this championship window and try to get the positions that you at least have starters at right now later. I mean, I guess I can. I mean, can I throw names into this? Because I, yeah, I yeah, you can throw specific names. I'm just not because it, it's too hard with a trade down. And it, it, to me, I always struggle with doing that 
because you have no true idea what an individual's team's draft board looks like, and it varies a heck of a lot more than fans realize. Agreed. Yeah. Anybody who's been around teams or the media knows that, man, like they're thinking on so many different levels before the draft that we don't even, we don't even realize how deep they've actually gone into this. So I think that, I mean, I'm not necessarily going to throw a name or name, like specifically, you know, a position out, but I think that to me, a successful result uh, with at least the first round picks would be um, one of Judy Lamb or Ruggs at 13. And then I pray, like I'm joining my hands right now. I'm praying that Ruiz falls to you at 31, because if he, if he is there at 31, like they're running to the podium with that, with that card and picking him because that immediately fills a huge glaring hole in your offensive line. And he's a plug and play starter from day one. And they're definitely not running to the podium because they can't. Not this vir- okay, fine. Virtually, no they're, they're emailing, they're, they're, they're Zoom conferencing into the podium and you know they're 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 emailing their pick or they're DMing their pick in. How are they how are they gonna do it? So to me, like that would be the most successful result because you feel your wide receiver need, which is which is a huge need, and then you feel your offensive line need, which basically takes care of the, in my opinion, the worst position on your offensive line of last year was 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 right guard. So that in itself fills everything. Um, if you went with a trade down with the number 31, Ruiz is gone. I still think you got to go wide receiver at 13. Um, and then you trade down and get a guy like, um, you know, AJ Terrell in the second round at corner to, to, cause mind you, the three corners are all free agents next year, right? Like Mosley Sherman and, and K1 Williams are all free agents next year. So you need to be able to do that. Um, a guy like Ross Blacklock, um, who fits the, the D tackle hole that you have. Um, or, I don't know if they can get an offensive lineman that will far fall far enough in the second round, but to me, it all centers around getting um, a wide receiver early. And if you don't, you you have to either stay at thirty one or trade back like maybe two or three picks in the top of the second round and get a guy like Mims. And I would be thrilled with that because he's basically like like a DK DK Metcalf light. If we're talking ideal, like perfect draft scenario, to me. And I'm going to be very general here. You need to get two impact guys out of this draft. And I think one has to be defensively. And to me, it has to be a cornerback. And the other either has to be wide receiver or offensive line. And I kind of think offensive line. Like you have to get two guys that are like Debo level impact out of this draft. And that's a, again, that's, we're talking the perfect scenario. I know it's a tall order, but they found Debo in the second round. So, you know, those guys are out there. But I just think that, you know, the division is getting tougher, especially at wide receiver. Thank you, Bill O'Brien. So you need to get a corner that you can rely on to at least slow these guys down. You're not going to shut down DeAndre Hopkins, but you need to get a guy like that. And I don't care if, honestly, if they had to trade their whole draft in order to do it, I would be okay with a Ditka-like move because it's that important to me. So two guys, ideal situation. Debo level impact. I don't care how they do it. If they kittle it and get them out of the fifth round, that's great. If it takes both of their first round picks to do it, great. But that's your job if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, because I think that is what's going to determine how long your window is to win a championship. All right, guys. Well, that I think is a pretty good in-depth preview for the 49ers, which it will be an interesting draft being one of the teams with two first round picks. But before I do the wrap, I'm going to leave everybody listening and both of you with a thought to ponder and to watch for come this technological draft. And that is, there's not much going on. Everybody's holed up in their houses. There's one major technical event going on, which is the NFL draft, which you got to imagine every hacker in the world is going to be targeting. What happens if that gets hacked and there's randomness going on? or? Goodell can't get communication, something like that. So just think about that as you're watching this draft. Don't be surprised if there's a sudden delay. I'm not encouraging it. I would not want to see it to happen, but the world-class hackers out there got to be going, well, it gives me something to do because they're probably stuck inside right now anyways. So with that, I am your host, Levin Black, alongside Zane Nackby and Rob Stats Guerrero. We want to thank you for tuning in to this draft preview podcast. And until the next Know How to Podcast on 49ers Web Zone, 
Take care. <laughs>